What's going on, movie lovers? Welcome back to another episode of the Cinemates Podcast. I'm Mike Jose Collins. Joined with me today is, as always, Jake underscore Schultz 6. Oh, got the whole hashtag. That's your government name. It is. How you doing? I'm doing uh, incredibly well. Um, Today is November 14th. We are just a couple days away from uh, Canadian Remembrance Day, which means today on the radio show, I was bumping a little Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas is You. Okay, wait, hold on there. First things first, you say the date, it's the 14th. Not only is it the 14th, at the time of recording, it is currently 10.50 Eastern Standard Time at night. (laughs) We joked earlier in the year that we had a Midnight Cinemates pod. This is literally a Midnight Cinemates pod. This might go very close to midnight. And we both just worked uh, long shifts. Maybe you. (laughs) I did not. Okay, well. Uh, But I was was bumping a little Christmas music. I I watched a Christmas movie today. Uh, we can even get into uh, later in the episode, but Jake, yeah, today is a huge episode for us. It we is. have a movie by one of our favorite directors, a show by uh, one of our favorite uh, comedians, uh, all into one encompassing thing. So this is, I mean, I think we're going to have a lot to talk about. This might take us past midnight because yeah. these are two very, very juicy things. Very different as well. Very different. <laughs> uh, we got... David Fincher's The Killer yeah, completely dropped on Netflix. Uh, it was also in a couple theaters. Uh, and then we have Nathan Fielder's The Curse, a new uh, Paramount Plus, which I subscribe to, which also means, you subscribe Jake. subscribe to Paramount I Plus. I does, which also means, Jake, I watched Fraser. Oh, the there you go. Fraser's. There you go. So I got a lot to say. Uh, okay. I, I have had a, a, a big week of television. My sister was even here, so we watched uh, The Killer together. Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod, Hannah Collins, or body horror genre. You guys can follow her. Uh, yeah, we got a lot to talk we about really today. We really do. It's gonna be, uh, we could not have packed an episode more than we did at nearly midnight. <laughs> I know. Good stuff all around. You want to get started with The Killer? Let's do it. The Killer. So- Bring me that synopsis. Solitary, cold, methodical, and unencumbered by scruples or regret. Okay, first, what is that? That is a terrible- Scruples? Scruples? What is a scruples? Buddy, who knows? Okay, thank you, Wikipedia. A killer waits in the shadows, watching his next target. Yet the longer he waits, the more he thinks he's losing his mind, if not his cool. Mm Mm-hmm. David Fincher is so back- so back. This brings me back to everything I love about David Fincher because he didn't really go anywhere. He did Mindhunter for a bit, which everyone loved, and then he decided to go and do his passion project in Mank, which is an acquired taste to say the least. The Academy loved it. Tons of other people loved it. I did not love it. I fell more so on the other side that it was kind of a little bit meandering for me and I just didn't really get too much out of it that I loved. This, however, this just itched and scratched all those warm, fuzzy feelings that I know and love about David Fincher. This just brought me back to what he does best, and that is crime films, that is solitary, weird protagonists, that is normally uh, a male protagonist that is just thrown into circumstances that is just dissect his dichotomy, and that's exactly what this movie is. Michael Fassbender is the perfect person to play this killer because the killer, like it said, is some isolated man that believes that he is perfection and that this job requires perfection. And the second something doesn't go perfect, everything begins to spiral, and it becomes such a fun ride that I really honestly didn't expect as well because I had I didn't watch anything from this film. I just saw... It's a David Fincher film. It's Michael Fassbender. Let's go. But it was presented in a different way because there's not really much dialogue until you get to that third act. It's more so just really hearing his head, his thoughts. So you hear everything that comes into his mind. Oftentimes it's funny because there's some some lines he throws in about consumerism and capitalism. But other times it's really thought-provoking and you really begin to understand his mental going through all this spiraling and as someone who spirals themselves with my mental health, shout out mental health, 
it's pretty kind of relatable in that sense. But I, it's really fun. Is really where I'm going to stand off for my first strike here. It's a fun return to form for David Fincher with a great performance that uh, I didn't really expect. What about you, Mike? What'd you think? I think it's super daring. This movie is like. It, it it challenges so much, which is why I think there's so much that we can talk about here because I really want to know personally what you think the movie is even about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is so daring to go completely subjective. This movie is only from the perspective of the one character. There's only one scene, I think, where he is not the, the subject that they're actually talking about. Even the transitions in the movie, it's all subjective to what he's doing. I think it's absolutely... Uh, an in, a very interesting choice. It's super daring. Um, I think the movie is basically based in the the fact if if you're a hitman, what if he missed? Mm-hmm. And then that that is just the rest of the movie. And it's about um, the fallacy of like constantly being in control because this is about a hitman, and everything about his life is so perfect, and, and he's horrible at his job, and he keeps messing up everything that he's trying to do. Uh, and it's about this sort of unreliable narrator. Uh, who's sort of you only really th- hear things through his subjective thought and it's all um i mean basically he's telling you what he's doing but he's kind of lying to himself and he's lying to the audience and uh i think this movie is about two things but i i'm personally i want to know what you think the movie's about yeah i think it's just more so dissecting that idea of being a perfectionist is really what I thought it was. And I've seen a lot of other people that have like brought out things like, oh, this is about making the more so, this is David Fincher and looking back at his career with Fight Club and kind of tearing down everything that he did with that film and how he was embarrassed to make that. And then he brought a film out like this because what do we know about David Fincher? David Fincher is literally a perfectionist. Like This is what he is. He will recreate shots over and over again, like reshoot them until he gets... The scenes he wants. Yeah, we have heard this from countless people. You can see this in mm-hmm. his films. His films is what we know, what we he loves. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad you said that because that's what I think the movie yes. is actually about. I do think this is about David Fincher and uh, the basically the biggest theme from this movie is consumer culture and the fact that it's almost like an apology for like, listen, I'm doing this Netflix deal. I'm taking all of this money from Netflix. Uh, but don't worry, I'm making a movie like this. It's still very David Fincher. But but I'm curious what you think. Are you saying that him missing, his miss, is Fight Club? Because that's what I couldn't get. I couldn't find, like, what is his miss? I don't necessarily agree with that. If that's what he's going with, I know he's come out and said that he didn't really yes, he said that. He said that that's not what he's doing. And but I, he also came out and said that dressed as the killer. So, that's I true. Mean, come that's on. true. I, I don't agree with that. Fight, I like Fight Club a lot. I've, I don't think it's Fight Club. No, I don't think I that's I do think a lot of this is about apologizing for a lot of specific choices that happened in a lot of different movies. I don't think it's necessarily about one movie, but mm-hmm. I am curious, like, what does he think the miss is of his career? But, uh, yeah, that, I mean... We should get him on the pod. We should get him on the pod. Basically, I thought the biggest theme from this was consumer culture and the consequences of consumer culture, that it's like... It is, nobody is really ever paying attention. We have all of these big ads that are thrown on us, McDonald's, Hertz, like uh, all of these rental car companies. And Amazon. Amazon, WeWork, all of this stuff. And then you're like, oh, it's so easy for my life, but it's also very easy for uh, someone who kills people for yeah. a living to use all of these things to, to their advantage. Um, and, and that's why I think personally that it is about his Netflix deal. Him ordering the tags and like waiting and then going to the gym and using the tag thing that he bought on Amazon was so funny. And it it really does, at face value, like you don't take much from out of that. And that's really the one, like the consumerism stuff, some of the other things like the McDonald's, whatever, I think that's just more funny lines. The fact that he eats the, the egg sandwich without the bread, whatever, weirdo, that behavior. But the Amazon one's really funny because it's, on the surface level, it's humorous, but then when you pull it back, the dichotomy of it, you and you get further back, and you're like, oh yeah, this is literally a serial killer, an assassin that's just going out and buying this stuff on Amazon. That's It's yeah. a pretty genius way of is. presenting that idea is to all of us, and if you get it, you get it. I would say genius. It's pretty I smart. I think it's pretty just blatant. But it's pretty like, smart. Uh, one thing that I noticed from people, I, I don't really like picking other people's reviews or anything like that. I, li- I like to have my own opinion. But one thing I did notice is a lot of people said that th- they couldn't find a purpose to the movie or what What was the point of the movie. I thought the point was so blatant. Like, mm-hmm. from from th- as soon as I watched it, I was like, yeah, that, that's, is that, that's not what it was about. Like, it was almost so blatant that I was looking for another reason. Like, there must have been something else about this movie. Um, so there was a lot of things. I think, personally, I mean, there's just so much to dissect. So spoilers ahead at this point. Um, 
the choice to make it a revenge thing was super interesting where I almost think the girlfriend is his audience, you know? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, I'm setting out on this thing. I know I made this massive mistake that it's affected you and yada, yada. Like, what is his miss? What is his miss in movies? Like, is he not doing what what he wants to do? Like, he's this much of a perfectionist? Like, are we supposed to be the girlfriend? Because there's nothing that you get from the girlfriend. You'd love to be David Fincher's girlfriend, wouldn't you? Well, you apparently would love to be. <laughs> uh, I did I, call I, him I, Daddy Fincher. You're I right think there's that. a lot of uh, choices in this movie, like the the fact that the Smiths, I think is such an interesting, uh, like, why the Smiths? Is it because Morrissey's so, like, himself canceled almost? Mm-hmm. Uh, I know David Fincher wants to make a movie about cancel culture, so, like, is that the reason why he did that? Also, a thing about the music, super hilarious. I mean, listen, what I found about this movie is a giant middle finger to all of his fans because it's also, like, I know you guys want to hear the the sick music over me killing people, but I'm going to cut it immediately, and it's going to go right back to Fastbender's ear, and you're just not going to be able to hear anything. But that sound design was also really cool. It's a very cool yeah. sound oh, design. Oh, it, it was a very nice track. He knew exactly what he was doing. He you said, hear- you want the ease of the kill through like a cool music, and he's yeah. like, no, I'm not going to give that to you. It's funny because the stylistic elements of that as well like he starts the film off with this really flashy shots a montage sequence of like the killer and it's just not that at all like he opens with this really cheesy 80s style opening to a film and then immediately cuts it away and is like yeah there's gonna be nothing flashy about that except for the one action scene but you're right I, I think that's a really good way of putting that and also I think that so many of the different things about perfection like you can tell them through the killer's dialogue like it's really in your face the lines that are repeated over and over in this film stick to your plan anticipate don't improvise trust no one never Forbid yield empathy. an advantage fight only fight the only battle you're paid to fight Forbid empathy was a massive one for me There's so many of them my process is purely logical logical oh my god what what a logical. word logistical narrowly <laughs> focused by design I'm not here to take sides. It's not my place to formulate any opinion. No one who can yeah, afford me. Yeah, he's saying all this, and he's just doing the opposite. I like, serve no god. It's not what it is. I'm effective. It's because of one simple fact. I don't give a F. Yes. Great lines. All right. I thought that line was horrible. But really? Uh, yeah. I, they use that uh, in their trailer, too. I thought that was... Uh, uh, one of the, my biggest knocks about the movie is the script uh, could compete with Bad Dads as the worst script of the year. Oh my God! The, no, yeah, they, this movie has for the first ten minutes, which are excruciatingly painfully horrible. The script is just random philosophical musings that sound like a seventeen-year-old boy wrote this. It is so garbage, dude. It's so outdated. Nobody cares about stuff like that anymore. I, I was shocked that he put that in his movie. Horrible, horrible script. Uh, one thing I absolutely hated about this movie, I thought I thought it was written terribly, purposely, but I think it was outdated and it did not work for me in this movie. I think that's the point, though, no? No, absolutely not. I think the point was he actually thought it sounded smart and was like, hey, listen, uh, I'm a, a hitman doing this. Uh, genuinely terrible script. You don't think that whole plays into the idea of what the hitman is, though? Because I thought that was kind of the point of it, is that he's this cheesy, over-the-top guy, but he's also scaled back and, like, super corny and i i thought that works perfectly i don't i don't know uh, absolutely um listen just because you understand something doesn't mean it's a good choice it's sure. outdated it doesn't work anymore obviously i know what he's doing but it doesn't mean that's a good decision it doesn't work in the movie i have to say it. the mm. first 10 minutes legitimately ruin a lot of the jokes for the rest of the movie because you're so like over what he's trying to say and it's really ridiculous there are some absolutely hilarious lines in the movie that just fall fat flat because of the first 10 minutes Interesting. I hated it. I hated the script. I thought it was terrible. That's really interesting. I don't think I've heard of someone hating on the script because normally Fincher's scripts are it's like- It's not a good script. Like Regardless of what I feel about that, it's outdated. It's not like a classically good script. It's, it's well done with Michael, Michael Fassbender's like reading it. There's nothing special about it. But yeah, it's, it's no, there's nothing special more. about it. I wouldn't say it's a great script. I, I'm shocked that you even like that. I thought that line was horrible. I, it's fun. It's, it's fun. just so outdated. Like, I don't want to hear that in 2023. It's like in, legitimately embarrassing a lot of the philosophical stuff he was doing for the first 10 minutes. I was like, what child wrote this? 
what AI child Googled, what sounds smart that I can say? I get what you're saying. It was saying. horrible. I get what you're saying, but that's part of the reason why I bought into the character a lot more because he's so cheesy. Which, which is fine, but I'm just saying just because I understand something doesn't mean it's a good fair choice. Enough, fair like, enough. I think that really took away from the movie. Okay. I mean, fair enough. I, I just normally think that Fincher scripts are a lot more tighter. So I have, I like, that is a little bit of my issues. Is that, he didn't write it, though. No, he didn't. But I, I do feel like this film does follow a little bit formulaic pattern a little bit. And towards the end, like, it kind of just doesn't go the extra mile that I thought it would be. Like, I'm not over the moon with this film as well. There's a lot of people that are a lot more over the moon. I, I, I just think it's a really good movie, really solid movie. But And I had fun with it. But it, it didn't leave much of an impression on me. I still, like, I saw this at TIFF before not the tiff the the actual festival but they played the tiff bell light box so i saw it at there serious oh you saw it at tiff like it, over the past weekend yes or okay before because i swear you told yeah, me no you I, saw i'm it. not lying i'm not messing with you we, we've had this back and forth he's like this was playing at tiff i'm like I no it wasn't playing, but it's playing at tiff the bell light box and two weeks out from it like i don't remember too too much of the film outside of like the main core scenes or some of the dialogue and specifically the action sequence which i think is a really strong action sequence. i rewatched this today i watched this on sunday and i rewatched it you today. rewatched it again i okay. did so i'm gonna ask you what did you think of that action sequence because it's what everyone's talking about i thought it was really cool and then just f- exactly what you said fell into a s- exact formula it's just a big guy throwing a guy through something and at first it was like this is the best part of the movie this might be the best kill of the movie because I think we could even rate the kills in this movie we can rank them uh, and mm-hmm. then it fell into a really boring pattern and I was just like okay move on at this point I, I think it's super everything around it though I thought was great the fact that this guy's such a perfectionist and he like couldn't get the dog r- the right size pills like he still <laughs> couldn't do that he goes into this house and still messes up and uh, but I listen it starts really good it's a good first two minutes of a great fight scene and then i was like okay i get you're throwing a little guy through a through a big thing i get it i get it at this point move on i thought they tried to add a little bit of humor when he pulls out the the cheese grater you're like oh what's he gonna do with the cheese grater oh then he just throws it and you're like oh (laughs) that's funny like there's a lot of good gags that i uh, it's very john wick-esque in more the sense that there's humor gags inside of the action sequences you're not gonna say that there's a dog well that too (laughs) that one as well I like the scene a lot too. I think it's probably it up started there my really. I think it's my favorite kill of the movie. Yeah, I don't. The kills were not necessarily anything spectacular outside of that sequence. I think it's more so the build up for each. Yeah, scene yeah, exactly. Because it reminds me of the Hitman video games. It's literally exactly what it was. Even the point where he's dressing up in different costumes. He's dressed up as a recycling man one time. I love that. And he's like counting everything down, like one one thousand, two one thousand. Like it just reminds me of a video game at that point. And that's why I think it did. I, it did. I really enjoyed how stupid and over the top it was at points it does feel like a middle finger the more you think about it like it really does feel like fincher just straight up just said yeah no screw all you guys it's like (laughs) because i mean i think we can be honest about this movie it's specifically made for fincher fans and it's made for movie nerds and it's made for nobody else uh and like i don't recommend this movie to anybody who doesn't who doesn't like these types of things like it is for the self-indulgent it is for people who relate to this character it's for people who relate to david fincher it's for perfectionists and it's it's for people who i don't think are necessarily searching for an apology but it's definitely for people who want to like look for something else between the lines of like oh i know david fincher as this perfect perfectionist what do all these things mean mm-hmm. and rewatching it uh i was actually laughing because like it's a it, the movie is a lot about like what people don't see and half the time you're like, oh, that's funny. All of his names that he used are 70s sitcom characters, and I did not get that till the second time I watched it. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, like it's it's literally about like things you just don't see. Hmm. Uh, I thought the best part of the movie was when uh, what's it? Dolores, the woman who is like had a great line, which is like, I know who you are, I know what you're capable of, but like just like my kids need to have the life insurance, just don't make me disappear. And then he takes her to back to her house, gets what she needs, knocks, cracks her neck, pushes <laughs> down the stairs. But the only non-subjective part of the movie is her in the car screaming and nobody noticing. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought yeah. that was it. Like that, the, the movie is about. Is that literally the things. one scene that Michael Fassbender is not in? Pretty sure that is the one in. non-subjective scene. Wow, that's pretty powerful. It's a it's a great scene. That's the fu- that's literally the power of David Fincher right there is when you think that he can make a cheesy film like that. I, I didn't even notice that because I, I know Fastbender's in this like 99% of the time. But when you pull back that curtain a little bit and then like the one little humanity part outside of the whole chaos that is the rest of the movie that's told through that subjective persona, that's a really clever way of putting it. 
I didn't even know that. Look at you. You're teaching me things about film. Normally, it's the other way around. I'm teaching you about talk to me and how to Well, you know, and... I, I like I did need to rewatch this movie because yeah, maybe uh, I after need to... first viewing, I was like, I, I, I understand what he's trying to do, but he's got to be doing something else mm. b- between the lines of this movie. What did you think about the technical stuff, the scores, the cinematography? Because I thought it was great. I love that it was a digital film, but it looks so snazzy. Like, I've never seen a, di- eh, a film. I wasn't was... really impressed. And one thing that really bothered me about this movie is my sister said this best because we were laughing at a lot of terrible choices that he did. Um, she was like, David Fincher gets like his actors to, to run until they hit the perfect amount of sweat for like hours. <laughs> and then he uses CGI clouds. The transitions are so hideous. Yeah. What is with the CGI in this thing? It is horrible He's looking. He's got that Netflix bag now. It is so ugly and completely took me out of a lot of the scenes. I was like, what the hell are they doing? <laughs> like, I was laughing out loud at, like, how bad it looked. Oh, my God, it was painful. I thought the cinematography was pretty good outside of some of the transitions. The, I, I really like the color palette. Yeah, the color, the color palette, palette was really good. Well, it's a David Fincher film. You're always going to have that snazzy yeah, color film. It, but, like, it felt like I was watching Mindhunter at some point. Yeah. I was like, ah. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, who have been with Fincher for a while now, give a, another great score. I honestly, like, I don't think <laughs> I don't this film... It didn't stand out to me anything. I don't think this film is going to get nominated for anything with the Academy. No. I know Mank I don't was think it should either. by a lot of the voters, but I don't think this is really going to get anything. I could see it sneaking in for maybe score or cinematography. Like, I think they're probably on the bubble on the outskirts of it. Maybe. But I don't, I don't think know, it anything stand else. Out to me. Fastbender is really good, though. Like, he is... Every time I see him, like, and you, this gets back-to-back weekends of Fastbender coming out. Last weekend, The Killer. This weekend, Next Goal wins. This is unequivocally his the best movie that comes out. Like, he's sleepwalking through Next Goal wins. He's genuinely great in this. And you forget how talented Michael Fassbender really is until you see a movie like this. Because he, for a while now, has kind of just felt like just another dude because he's been an X-Men for a while. He's kind of just been coasting. Even though he's really good in the X-Men films, he hasn't had a real big standout movie in a while. And for a movie to be put on his back and to be delivered such specific character moments, I think he did it incredibly well. And the film would not be nearly as effective without someone as cold and menacing but still goofy who can pull that charisma off like Michael Fassbender. He's like the perfect casting for the film. Yeah, I I think he's just got this like superhuman body and the fact that he can find this ability to just fit into a situation where it's nobody notices creepy, eh? <laughs> it's very bizarre uh unfortunately i thought he was fighting with the script the entire time so the performance really did not stick out to me and i was pretty disappointed in it and it was okay. because of the script unfortunately so you're definitely a lot lower on this film than i am uh th- there's a lot of issues there's a lot of issues with this movie okay do you like tilda Swin- swinton I mean, yeah, she was actually good. She was a, a fine part in, in the movie. Her her kill, I think, was my favorite. I think the fight scene was my favorite. Okay, her, the fight scene was my favorite kill, but her scene was my favorite, like, uh, chapter, I guess. It was the one time that he basically outsmarted everyone else. with the. Well, it was also the one time that he was going to say what he wanted to say, and he just didn't do it. But it was the one time where he was like, he might, he might say it. And it's super cool to watch, like, this guy who's, like he has to do everything specific. He has to like only gas station eggs and, and whiskey and have water on the door in case anybody walks in. And then like the complete opposite of him, who's also in this life and is like indulging in everything. I thought it was like a, a very interesting contrast. Yeah, it was like give me the ice cream, give me all of the whiskeys, give me all of this. And and then it's the, it's literally the one scene where like he's almost going to say what he wants to say. Yeah. So why don't we get into star rating? Because I feel like we're getting closer to that. I feel like you're gonna be lower than me, surprisingly. I gave it four stars. I really liked it. I don't think it's top tier Fincher. I think it is a return to form. I do think, like you said, the script is a little on the weaker side. I still really enjoyed it. I think it bought into this corny, over-the-top character, assassin hitman, that really felt like it was harkening back to those types of games. And I really just enjoyed being in his headspace for about two hours. And it's a fun, breezy watch. I don't think you're going to like this if you're not a fan of Fincher's work because it very much feels like he is just doing whatever at his point. Even my review, I said, Daddy Fincher's got his bag and he's just doing whatever the hell he wants and I respect him for it. And that's exactly what this movie is. So I got four stars. I really liked it. It's probably like in the middle of his filmography for me. And yeah, go Fincher. I'm happy to have him back again. Can I guess yours? Sure. I'm going to say three stars. Three? Okay. okay. Uh, 
I thought the, the the first opening ten minutes are are were excruciating to get through. Uh, the second time too, it is a genuinely embarrassing script written for just dudes for for movie people who just jerk themselves off. And you know that's something I absolutely hate. And it's a giant middle finger to everybody. You who, hate dudes being dudes, don't movie. you? I do. I genuinely hate movies that are dudes. I think there's a lot of movies that are for movie people, and it's because they're like, "Ooh, I get it." Ha 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 ha. Listen, just because, Fincher, I got what you were doing doesn't mean it was a good movie. The script was genuinely horrible. You were not really giving much to your actors. Nothing stood out to me. Nothing was remarkable. There was a lot of mistakes. The advertising, I understand your critique on consumer culture. It just looked like you were getting that bag from Netflix. And that's all it looked like. Regardless of, like, obviously Prime is not paying you any money. Like, I understand that. It just, just because I got what you were doing doesn't mean it's a good movie. Uh... I thought this was a terrible movie. What? I was I was so bored. My second watch too. I didn't get that at all from what I you're saying. I thought this movie stank. This was one of the most excruciating watches I've had to do. Um, what? I understood a ton from what it was trying to do, but just because I understood doesn't mean that the movie was a good movie. Why did you seem more positive when we're talking about it? Because I really like Fincher, and I, <laughs> I, I like dissecting things. Um, but yeah, I thought this sucked. To be honest, I thought this was super disappointing, especially from a director that we both really, really love. Um, I thought it was daring. I thought it was super daring to go completely subjective. And I thought that was a great idea. But it's about you, and you're not interesting. In 2023, so much of this was so outdated. The philosophical musings were painful. The script was atrocious. There's a lot of absolutely hilarious moments in this movie that completely fall flat because everything you did before it just set it up to fail. I understand that it's not for me. And this is why I think at this point, like, I'm not a movie nerd because I hated this thing. Wow. Um, but you know what? I was into it, and I did finish it. And I finished it two times. Yeah, you finished it one more time than I did, and I'm way yeah. higher. Did you give it one star? No, 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 no. Okay. This movie was, like, listen, it does look good, but nothing really stood out to me. But but I, I put it over... A lot of movies that I've seen. I gave it two and a half stars. Oh, okay. I could not read your <laughs> review on this <laughs> at all. I thought you were going to go around like three and a half, four. Then After my first watch, I think I was at then one. Then when you half. said it sucked, I was at like, is he at I, like I was one legitimately star? at one and a half stars at oh the, after God. my first watch. I hated this thing. I thought it was awful. What the hell? What would John Wilkes Booth do? <laughs> Come on, that's funny. Yeah, but it fell flat because it was so soon after like nonsense. I don't know. I just think the whole like, oh, let's have Morrissey as the, as the voice of this movie was like, dude, shut up. It's 2023. I don't care if he's soft canceled or like fake canceled. Nobody really cares about the Smiths at this point. Oh, I love the Smiths. Yeah, I get it, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Grow up, buddy. We're over the Smiths. Anyway, this, this whole thing completely fell flat for me, and I had it on such, I, I wanted to love this thing so bad. Even before going to this movie, I was like, this is making my top ten. I know this is going to be freaking awesome. Wow. Jake just gave this four stars. Let's go. And then I watched it, and I was like, I'm going to, I I, I want to turn it off. I thought you were definitely going to be, like, before this started, I thought you were going to be higher than me because you didn't put this up on your letterbox, so I was like, either he's going to hate it or he's <laughs> going to love it. There's no in between on this. I, I thought it was a really bad movie. Okay. It's not in my top ten. It's I think no. it's not even really close to my top ten right now. I think it's hovering around but, 20 but But listen, I understand why people like it. Oh, I do too, yeah. I just, personally, I thought it was a bad movie. This is probably everything that Fincher fans love. Yeah, oh, 100 dude. If you're a big Fincher fan, you're going to be like dissecting the crap out of it. You're going to be like, "This is I love this. I love. Oh my gosh, this it's is a perfect. twelve for me." It's talking like, yeah, this this movie has a ton for you, mm-hmm. uh, but it did it just did nothing for me. Okay, and I don't a lot of the things that he's critiquing and a lot of the traps that I think he was trying to like just show you, he fell into, and I just don't think it really paid off. I, so I think it was bad. Where would this be in your Fincher filmography rating? Oof. Because you just watched Panic Room a couple months ago, and I know you didn't like that, but you have this above Panic Room. I liked it better than Panic Room. Panic Room was... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I liked it more than Alien 3. Well, doesn't everyone like every movie more than Alien 3? Oh, sorry. I meant I like Alien 3 more than this movie. Oh, of course. Of course you're a contrarian. Why why would I ever think you weren't? (laughs) Well, I, 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 I like Alien 3. What's your number one? Is it Gone Girl? Social Network. Ah, yes, I knew that. Then probably Gone Girl, then Zodiac. Zodiac's so good. Zodiac's I, great. I love Gone Girl, though. 
the fact that I've missed Gone Girl still and I still haven't seen it is a crime. I bought it on Blu-ray amazing, and everything bro. I started. Well, you started it too. I started you? five minutes, twice now. I've watched the first five minutes of this movie and I'm like, oh, Ben Affleck's acting the hell out of this film and then I just turn it off and don't watch it again. Yeah, there's a lot of movies that you're like, hmm, like he's got a lot of odd movies. He doesn't stay stagnant, which is what I appreciate yeah. from Fincher. Curious because case of Benjamin Button. I mean, that's a big hit or miss for people. I personally like that movie. He does have a style when, with more so just his characters because a lot of his films are more male protagonists that are scumbags. But he moves This movie them. was too self-indulgent about him, though, that it was like, okay, I, I don't really care about you. Yeah. And I think if you're a David Fincher fan, then you care about him. And you're probably seeing a lot of yourself in that character. He'll be daddy forever. The D in David is daddy. Daddy Fincher. Uh, yeah, I mean, looking at this, pretty low. Pretty okay. low. Okay. We should probably do a rating eventually. Do go through David all the David Fincher draft? Yeah, good. He's got a lot of films. Yeah, he does. Just don't. You can take Alien 3. I will not be taking <laughs> Alien 3. Listen, I'm not saying it's a good movie, but I'm not saying this is either. Fair enough. Do you want to move to the next? Let's do it. The Curse, the newest TV show from... One Nathan Fielder and Benny Safdie, one half of the Safdie brothers, known for good time and uncut gems. Let's read this little synopsis, shall we? Whitney and Asher Seagal are a newlywed couple struggling. Seagal. Seagal. Let me say, I'm used to. Jason Seagal? Yes. That was the name I was thinking of. Seagal, too. I'm Kate Seagal. Sure. <laughs> There's a lot of Seagals out there. Seagal. Our newlywed couple struggling to bring their vision for the eco-conscious housing to a small community in Epinola? Espanola. Oh, my God. (laughs) It is 1120. Give me a little bit of leeway, okay? I've been working on my my slur a little bit better. I think it's been slowly getting better. What do you think? Yeah? Yeah? As someone who edits the TikToks? (sighs) Uh, No. (laughs) No. (laughs) But their efforts are complicated by an alleged curse after an eccentric, flawed reality TV show, Dougie, who sees opportunity in their story. As the series unfolds, the couple finds themselves caught in a mysterious web of ethical and moral gray zones, all while trying to keep their relationship afloat and conceive a child. So obviously a lot of that is more so what's going to happen yes. as the show goes on. But, uh, but listen, first of all, this is going to start our new The Idol. Obviously we did... Uh, yes, we, we have not our, come back from a TV show since The prestige Idol. prestige television show, so this one is obviously going to be our new weekly watch. Ooh, Land you, of Enchantment is the first episode. Yes. Uh, it's a lot of setting up. So this movie, this uh, television show is a, a ton of setting, setting up. up. Uh, what are your first thoughts? So, look, Nathan Fielder has housed two of my favorite TV shows out there because he's so wildly different. And so I love dry humor, and he fills that completely with Nathan For You, which I genuinely will sit here and say is one of the funniest TV shows ever made. Like, I will not argue a wall if you don't think that. The All the memes you see out there with Nathan Fielder, that's from that show because yeah. of how funny and innovative that show was. And the rehearsal, which came out last year, I really love that show as well, and I think it has so much promise, and that he's continuing it as well for season two. That show blew my mind because it's li- you don't know what's real and what's not real, and that's just a testament to how much talent he has. So w- naturally, when him and Benny Safdie come together to create a TV show that with two of my favorite current working filmmakers in Fielder and Safdie, who did Uncut Gems, and my favorite actress in Emma Stone, like... How am I not sitting here just jumping for joy at this? And I'm not jumping for joy with this because it's the first episode, okay? Like, this is how most first episodes go. Unless you're the idol and you can tell immediately that the show is going to be crap. I don't think this show is going to be crap, okay? There's 10 episodes to still sell me on this show. There are 30 minutes. This episode was over an hour, so it had so much setting up to do and they they plant the seeds for what i think is going to be a very intriguing show and probably going to be more of a, a mind f the more that it goes on just as it stands on the surface level from the first episode i wasn't completely enthralled like i thought i was going to be and it was a lot more nathan fielder acting acting <laughs> more than just like comedian acting which i think is a new 
stance for him because yeah you can argue that he's acting in Nathan for you and the rehearsal and he is but this feels like he's trying to be more of a performance instead of himself as an actor and I think it's a little jarring I don't think it fully works there are moments where it does work and that is when he's talking to the kid when he's being recorded because that feels way more in his element when he's in the subway and you see the camera angles like the, the classic Nathan for you angles and from the corner, which and there's clearly someone in the background who had no idea this was a television show that was being filmed. And I think that's the parts that intrigued me more because I think we're going to see a lot more of that as it goes on. A little bit more of playing with the what's real, what isn't real, because that's such his dichotomy of his acting. Yeah, I don't really see that going on. But it, it, it's more fictionalized than I was yeah, expecting. Yeah, I, it I to feel be. like this is definitely all f- all a scripted television no, show. No, that actor well, uh, that, essentially. Yeah, some of like we're gonna get those. We'll no, get those weird moments. We'll but I don't, I don't think moments. it's gonna like rely yeah. on that to like a lot. So it was more jarring for me to put myself in that mindset that this is more of a fictional show, especially the trailers. Like I had no idea what this show was gonna be off the first trailer, and I thought it was gonna be more so of just more like a reality docu thing. And it's not, and it's more of a narrative, and I genuinely have no idea where it's going to go. They've set up a couple things, and the relationship obviously is fragile with the fact that Nathan Fielder's character has a micro penis, and they want to <laughs> conceive and have a kid. And you have Benny Safty's character in the show, who's clearly into Emma Stone, and you can tell that from the second that she's talking to him in a cabin. It's weird. It's a weird opening episode, and it's meant to be weird. It's meant to throw you off and confuse you. I just don't think that I fully was gripped immediately like I normally am with his stuff, and I think it'll come over time. I'm obviously not willing to write it off immediately because there's a lot that I did really enjoy with this. It looks great. Like It is genuinely shot. Looks really good. Terrific. I want to give a shout-out to the cinematographer on this. Uh, Massio Bishop, he was a camera operator for Uncut Gems. And you can tell, because the way that this camera moves at some points, you ooh, he is experimenting the hell out of it. It feels very Uncut Gems-like when you hear the sound, you see the cinematography. So that's the Safdie influence. And I think, technically, it's really good. And it's only going to continue to grow the more it gets weirder, because we know it's going to get weirder as it goes on. I just want to see where it's going before I can form my opinion because based off of the first episode, I was kind of not into it and that's kind of where I stood for the first episode. It's okay. I just didn't really end up loving it like I thought I was going to. How about you? Yeah, I'm kind of on the same boat. Um, I Like, it's really good. Uh, there's, it started off kind of like freaky. Like, it's a really freaky opening scene it's really tough to get through uh, and it sets up like ooh like this is gonna be scary or whatever and then it gets to this point where like Nathan Fielder's character is being interviewed by a news person and he's acting and it was like Ugh, is this bad that's the scene I was talking like, about is this is this bad what I'm watching um, very purposeful what he's doing but. yeah and then you know you kind of have to buy into the fact that oh he's doing a character and then once you realize that Emma Stone's character and Ben Safdie's character are all pretty bad like they're bad people and you're supposed to okay i understand what they're doing yeah it's this huge um i think critique on a lot of like liberalism and and sort of these uh, it's the fact that he he's making fun of an hgtv show that is supposedly doing good for the community but it's essentially like good for his business of these eco homes mm-hmm. and it's like critique on like what are what are rich people actually sort of really doing for these communities and it's all, all about gentrification and there's a lot of stuff that you can really take from it so i think the whole first episode is just planting these seeds of like who are these people what are they doing this is the point of the show and yada yada you have the, the obviously it's a god of like randomly shocking scenes where you just see people's dicks and you're like what the hell yeah, was that oh my like, god oh, nathan fielders to open this shot with his tiny tiny penis i hope it doesn't actually look like that I think um, the the Cherry Tomato Boys is hilarious. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was a lot where I was like, "All right, okay, like I, I get it." But yeah, I, I, I wasn't uh, completely like super into it. But I, I think that it's planting a lot of seeds, and I yeah. think it, I think it's going to get really, really good uh, because I I did buy into it, but I wasn't completely sold on the first episode. I, I completely agree with you. I think it really works well for what it's trying to do but we just don't know what it's trying completely to do yet but it's setting up all of these really interesting topics and things that he's he's kind of talking about because a lot of the shows that he do he does are like about filming people without them necessarily knowing even like how to with john wilson the show that he produces is like uh, this guy who just films literally everything and Mm -hmm. then 
a lot of this is like, what if you're just being filmed at certain points in your life? So I think it's really interesting to think about. I think one of the best, well, there's two really funny, funny parts to the show. First is the scene where it's the brand new jean store in the community and the woman walks in, <laughs> takes a look around and then just walks out. Yeah. I, that was brilliant. Yeah. So funny. It's like, what, what do these things actually really do for the community that they're necessarily trying to help? Uh, and I think it's super interesting that he didn't do the show with HBO uh, and he did it with Paramount, which is an uh, Showtime uh, is a, in the or States. Showtime, yeah, which is a huge conversation that I want to get into with you after this, but we'll keep talking about this. And then the as someone who loves reality television, the Burn Victim show was some of the funniest oh my stuff God. I have seen like this year. That was brutal and so hilarious. And you're like, anybody could any like station would actually make that show, and you're like, oh yeah. That's actually like could be a thing. It's, I, it's insane. It was it's, so offside. It's, it's, uh, it's he's showing them like a reality show that he used to make before, and it was like it's like The Bachelor, but the guy's wearing a mask the whole time, and then he takes off the mask at the end, and he's a burn victim, and it's about if the girls should like still be with him. No, the show is called Love to the yes. Third Degree. Dude, the Love to the Third. Who was the host? The host is even fa- like a famous host. I can't remember his name. Oh, I don't remember. And then they have like they. <laughs> Love to the third degree, and they have the it's burning. The uh, music oh, in the so background funny. was so insane. It's my oh, favorite part of the that episode. That was great. Um, but I think this opens up like a way more. Like, obviously, I think we have to keep giving the show a chance. Oh, There's not really sure. much to talk about. I do think it's just planting a ton of seeds about what the show will be. Um, so I don't think there's really much to talk about of like our opinions of it. I think we both. Like, I give it a thumbs up because I'm interested, but I'm not necessarily sold. Yeah, I, I think I'm a little bit more towards the middle. Of, yeah. It, it, it's a fine premiere. It was nothing It was special. a tough beginning. Like, that, after that acting scene, I was like, oh, is he a bad actor? But I think he he, he does play into the fact that, like, especially with the rehearsal, it's it's been way more, okay, I know this is sort of pretend now. Mm-hmm. And I think you can tell a lot of the scenes are improvised. Um, so I, so I give I give him a little grace. I think when we get more into the fielderisms and Safdieisms, it's just such an interesting pairing of yeah, the two I, of them that I, I think, I'm so shocked that he went like a horror route. I was not expecting. That. Yeah, I just think it's going to be such a a good pairing that you can't really base it off of one episode when it's all set up. Like they're gonna there's gonna be nine other episodes of them exploring this. Like it said, the moral gray area, and that's exactly what yeah. he does best. And it's oh, yeah. going to be so interesting when you notice all these little things, like you're saying, recording people without them knowing. Like now that we know that that's happened in this show, there's going to be moments where you're going to be like, "How much is this was like they improvising in front of people? How much were they not?" And it's going to be fun to dissect weekly. I just think for this one, it's a lot more setup versus yeah. what we'll actually be getting as the episodes go on. I think it'll be less setup as it goes on. Benny Safdie, I kind of want to give him a little bit of his flowers because he has. Like as talented he as he is as a director, he's, he's a really great good actor. as an actor. He was like, I hate this guy. He was doing some great. He was, and he's like that in he was every movie he's in, except for Good Time. That's the one he's actually like plays a good person. Everyone else, he's so yeah, good. He's he's a good at being a bad dude. Him and Emma Emma Stone was great as always. It's Emma yes. Stone. You know what though? It was tough. To buy the Nathan Fielder Emma Stone chemistry, <laughs> she has given him a ton, and it's it's oh, yeah. you're kind of like okay, all right, all right, all right. I think I'll buy into it, but I, I got to give this a little bit. I'm just happy to see Emma Stone back on our screens again. That and poor things coming out this year. Well, okay, so this is a a big thing I want to talk to you about. If the if the strike wasn't going on, she has poor things coming out, and this is such an interesting project for like the A-list celebrity, like, actress right now. Mm-hmm. Like, she is probably the biggest celebrity woman actor, or, well, actress in the world right now, and, like, she's doing a project like this. I think that is a massive choice, and I, I, I think it works really, really well that I wish she the strike wasn't going on because she, she could have been on, like, magazines, bro, if she was doing this, and she's got, uh, what's it called? It's called Poor Things, right, coming yeah. out? And, and that's... Also, another conversation I want to talk to you about. Like, is this going to flop? Because I don't think this is going to do well. Because it's on sh- the curse. The curse. Because it's on Showtime, and it's on Paramount here, and nobody's really going to watch that. Like, if Emma Stone was able to like market this, I think this could have been huge. Well, she could market it now if she wanted. She can to. now, but like she she could have had a whole steam going for these things, and it's- I think it really deflated the entire thing of this. I don't think this is going to do well at all. 
it's critically doing very well so far. But critically is fine. But like, is it who's not- really going to watch this? Like, if I go to anybody, I don't think anybody is watching this show. Is this not what Nathan Fielder is though? Nathan Fielder on Comedy Central and HBO. Yeah, but Nathan Fielder is a very much under the radar like comedian, and he was with the rehearsal was big. Because this is why I was shocked that it wasn't on HBO. Yeah, but that's because of Nathan for you, and Nathan for you was super under the radar for years until he got rediscovered, and he was like a word of mouth comedian. Yeah, but why wasn't this show on HBO? Because this is all going to be word of mouth. This show, and like, who really is going to be word of mouth right now? I well, we don't know the logistics of what goes into what studios buy everything. Clearly, we don't because Warner Brothers cancels their movie ninety percent of the time. Like it, it probably just ended up being there. I, I have no so because idea. they own HBO or uh, HGTV, and they're like, you can't make fun of HGTV. Probably, yeah. It, it's a very weird and out there show, and pro- super bizarre to put it on what they put it on. Like, uh, put this on Netflix. This would be huge on Netflix. Showtime also, like, I think you kind of underestimate the power of Showtime. Showtime is like HBO Lite in the States. It has Yellow Jackets. It has a bunch of other TV shows. Like, it is a very well-known platform. It had, what was that show with Sandra Oh and Jodie Comer? Killing Eve. Like, it's it's a popular channel. I don't think off the bat, no. I I don't think this is going to be a a fan base. Which is crazy because it has... Uh, a great comedian, a great director, and an Oscar-winning A-list celebrity. It'll be, get carried on by people who love yeah. Nathan Fielder. I don't think it's going to really sit with many other people. Like I watched this with my girlfriend. She was like, I don't know if I really want to keep watching this because she wasn't pulled into it. And she's just like, I like Nathan Fielder's other stuff, but this feels really super strange, bizarre and strange. Very odd, which is why I like. I love this for Emma Stone. I think this is such an interesting project. She for her always today. picks interesting projects. So though. cool. It's like the same thing that she did with that Jonah Hill show a couple years ago on Netflix. That Maniac show, everyone's like, oh, look at this. It's the, the reunited pair from- It wasn't crazy about Maniac. It was okay. Yeah. I was a little disappointed this with it. Show, they, this is super interesting for her to pick. I, I love this choice for her. I love that she never stays stagnant. She could easily just cash in and do whatever. She goes- She's not going to be the rom-com person. Everywhere. She's not going to be like just this still. She's going to do a lot of interesting, interesting things. And I think that's As she wicked. should. She's, she's great. awesome. She's my favorite for a reason. I love her and everything she's in. I can't wait for Poor Things. I'm so excited hearing all the buzz that she's been getting for that film. Like she's getting that she's been better than she was in the favorite. And the favorite is like so good in that movie. She's such a talented actress. I'm happy that she gets a lot of these projects. And what do you have a favorite movie of hers? Of her like acting? Yeah. La La Land. Okay. I think that's probably my favorite i would say the favorites number two have you seen the favorite yes i have seen the favorite i was just googling who she was in the favorite did you forget who she was yeah, i did you like <laughs> she, the favorite yeah, she was good she was great in that hmm. i did like the favorite is she ever bad in anything she's in no she's tremendous except no. for maybe gangster squad maybe that one was a little bit of a question mark. <laughs> gangster squad was a hit or miss movie for a lot of people there's some very interesting parts of Gangster Squad. Yeah. There are some you could you could make a case to me why you like Gangster Squad and I would be like, "Okay, Betty, sure." I watched <laughs> it just for her and Ryan Gosling's chemistry. Yeah. It it's uh it's a movie. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so that's a thumbs up and a thumbs middle from both of us and we'll keep yeah. going as it goes on. Thumbs up, thumbs middle. Hopefully it gets a little bit more We're teetering. Yeah. We got nine more weeks to play with it. Well, it'll yeah. go on into the New Year's. We'll see poor things by the time the show is over. Yeah. Isn't that cool to discuss? Hey, Mike. Yeah, buddy. I got a new segment for you. Let's go. I want to introduce you to Cine News. This is my Cine own news. version of the news because the ever-changing world of Hollywood is constantly throwing stuff at us day by day by day. And I know that you're a busy boy. Okay, you got a lot of jobs going on. You got three jobs, basically, if you want to look at it that way. So I want to give you a little recap. Does that sound good to you? I mean, you? this is a job in itself, too. You know, I got four. Look at me. All right, it's 11.37. Can, <laughs> we, can, we, can we chill with that? Yeah. You excited to hear some news? Movie news or yes. cine news? Cine news. Should we get like a... a yeah, no- we'll, we'll put a drop in here. There we go. That's that's our intro now. We gotta we gotta clip that so we have it forever. So <laughs> yeah, I great, don't know about gr- that. great start. Coyote versus Acme. Yes. We ended the I podcast heard. last week 
mentioning that Coyote vs. Acme, the James Gunn co-written John Cena starring Looney Tunes live-action hybrid film, was donezo, canceled. Warner Brothers said, goodbye, we don't want you anymore. You know what we want? Wait, I'm 30. sorry, John Cena was in that? He's the head of Acme. Oh. Yeah, which is okay. a good a good role for him, I think. It's a fun role. Very cool. They did not know that. Warner Brothers went, I want money instead. So they wanted to shelve it off for a tax return, $30 million, never see it again. They sort of like, ah, why would we talk to anyone else about this film? No one wants to buy it. Gone forever. Well, did this ever get the biggest backlash online from it? Filmmakers came out against it. Fans came out against it. The cast came out against it. Not just that, filmmakers who were pitching film ideas to Warner Brothers pulled out of their meetings, which caused Warner Brothers to go, oh, maybe we made a bad decision. Reported by Variety a couple days ago that it is no longer shelved. However, it is not going to be on Warner Brothers' slate. They are shipping the movie to a different studio. So they've mm. sent out screeners to Netflix, Amazon, and Apple. Those are the three that are the most okay. interested in okay. buying the film. So the film is not dead. It is alive, and we will see the film, which is thankful. Hallelujah. I, my rant was heard by David Zaslav, who's the worst executive in Hollywood, bar none. The fact that he can take pieces of cinema and just destroy it like that, a finished piece, because we, we like to joke on this podcast, but... You know how damning it is that a film can be taken all the way till being done and being scrapped? That is terrifying for filmmakers, for all of these cast and crew that put their money, life, and soul into this film. And for what? So that is damning that Warner Brothers even thought that they could do this. But very happy to announce that Coyote vs. Acme will eventually come out, hopefully within the next year or so. It's, it'll get bought by one of these streamers. So thankfully, it is not dead. Acme. 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 It's Acme. Acme. Acme? No, you. <laughs> Chris Buck, the director of Frozen and the upcoming Wish film for Disney, has said that he would like to explore more 2D films for Disney in the future. What did Disney build their whole brand off of? 3D. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's what they would like you to believe with the slate that they put out in the past 20 years. 2D films is basically the framework of what got Disney the popularity that they did. More 2D films, yes. I'm completely fine for that. How about you? Yeah, I don't know. I don't really care. <laughs> That's fine. I, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of either, I guess. You just don't like cartoons, as you put yeah, it. Yeah, just not a big cartoon guy. I don't know. If something rules, it'll rule, though. Like, Well, we'll see Wish in a couple weeks, and we'll see if that rules or not, because I know you like the trailer. I have been liking the music. A lot of people dissing that music. I like that Chris Pine song. I think that rules. How can you not like anything Chris Pine? He's the best Dude, Chris in Hollywood. people hate it. People, people are ripping it apart. We might be getting to another Chris a little bit later in this news segment. Chris Miss? Oh. <laughs> John Wick. You know, I announced that there was an anime show you're, coming out. You're canceled. No. Oh. Damn it. There's another one. Another what? TV spinoff oh, about the high table. I don't care about the John Wick universe. No offense, John Wick, but I do not care. Director Chad Stalinsky, who directed one, two, three, and four, has said that he is going to be way more hands-on in the creation of this one as opposed to the Continental, and it'll be way more cinematic because, as a lot of people realize, the Continental is neither of those things. So hopefully he brings some nice needed juice to the potential franchise power of John Wick. And not just that, even though opposed to Chad saying that, oh, John Wick 5 is not going to really be happening. We don't want to do it. Yeah, John Wick 5 is currently being written right now. So <sighs> Lionsgate is just pushing that out regardless. So we'll see what happens. If you watch John Wick 4, is it going to be called John Wick Chapter 5? If John Wick's not necessarily there, sorry. Spoilers, not sorry. The Marvels opened up to $110 million international weekends. That is currently, as it stands, one of the lowest openings ever for the MCU, including $47 million domestically, which is the lowest opening ever for an MCU film. And I'm not just talking about any MCU films, like... This is going back to the Incredible Hulk era. It is the lowest opening ever. Yikes. 
Speaking of Marvel, Taika Waititi said he will not be in Thor 5 in any form at all. He said he is more f- good. focusing on the other films that he's signed on for, and he's signed on for a lot of films because when Taika exploded with Jojo Rabbit, he just says, yeah, give me all the films. So, yeah. Which has been a very bad decision. Extremely bad decision. So I'm happy that he's decided to step away from Marvel. I think it's for the best for both, even though I liked Thor Love and Thunder more than a lot of other people did. It's probably the best decision. Hey, Mike, in September, there were reports that The Office was going to be coming back as a rebooted form. Greg Daniel said he has no interest in it being reported in an interview this week. He did say, yeah, you got to let that show die. It's not very good anymore, guys. This is what he said when he was talking about in an interview. I don't think of anything as a reboot. You know what I mean? Because I feel like we just ended that story beautiful. The characters had closure, and I never wanted was to a good redo ending. the same show with a different cast because I think we got the luckiest cast in the world, the best cast. Yeah. So the notion of reboot is not of interest. Yeah, that show that show ended really, really well. It did, regardless of what you think of the show. The, the last season great. wasn't very good, but the, so finale was, the finale was good. And they, you know what? Leave that show in the dirt, man, because it's doesn't age well anymore and it had a lot of brilliant moments and you just gotta you know i'll rewatch that that is like the last level of millennial cringe that is the last thing that i think people besides like ray dunn that is the last thing i think that millennials have do not bring it back let gen z thrive this is olivia rodrigo's time true pop off queen but this might make you feel a little bit worse about that he also continued to go on and saying the notion of maybe something in the way of the mandalorian is a new show in the star wars universe you know what i mean he says you know what i mean a lot in this something like the notion and the notion he's he really likes that phrase the notion you know what i mean of a documentary crew doing a documentary about a different subject that could be intriguing and creative i don't know exactly what i could call that i don't know if it's a sister show or something but i don't know if what the term is it's just not a reboot that's not the appropriate term so if anything, that's basically him teasing. In the eighth and ninth season, they brought in a documentary crew and they kind of peeled the curtain back a little bit on The Office. Sounds like he wants to explore that a little bit more and put them in a different situation, which could work. And I think that works a lot better than bringing back The Office and Dunder Mifflin. That is a done era. You don't need to explore it anymore. That's just how you ruin what people like. And regardless of Mike says with Gen Z cringe, it's... I don't know. Millennial. Millennial cringe. cringe. My bad. How dare I get those two wrong? So Yeah. We'll see if we get more from Greg Daniels, who just wrapped up Upload Season 3, which, again, ended on another cliffhanger. That guy loves his cliffhangers. James Cameron announces a 4K version of The Abyss will be releasing in theaters on December 6th, as the film he actually set out to make with some big surprises not seen in the original versions. As you know from James Cameron, a lot of his older films are not available on any physical media, so this is the first time that he's really gone back and given 4k releases for a lot of his films he did it with titanic a year ago he did it with avatar he's doing it now with the abyss that means that true crime might be next which is really the last film before we get all of his other films back onto accessible media which would be good to have this one is for mike i know you're going to be really upset with this one actually this is for friend of the pod liam thompson young sheldon will be ending with his seventh and final season. Yeah, you know what? I saw this news. Um, th- first of all, that is a absolute heartbreaker. You know, <laughs> I think for a lot of us young Sheldor fans, like this, this was the show for us. You know, this was this was the greatest show ever made. And I think to bid adieu to this will will be absolutely uh, crushing. So. Anyway, pour one out for all of your young Sheldon fans because this is uh, young Sheldors. This is the worst news that we've had in a very long time. You okay? You know, I've been watching Big Bang Theory over the weekend. I actually was. <laughs> oh no! I thought you were joking. <laughs> no, I was, man. It's gonna be so hard to put finally to rest the character of Sheldon. Uh, yeah, that's brutal. Sucks. Rip. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and some new trailers came out this week to wrap up the Cine News for the week. Terrifier 3, which isn't coming out until next year, got its first teaser. Looking like it's going to be a Christmas-themed movie. I know you're a fan of the Terrifier franchise. Yeah, it looks cool. It does look cool. Big fan. It'd be wicked. Got more money this time, so we'll see what they can do with Hell that. Hell yeah. Madam Web, the newest in the Sony Spider-Man, Buddy, come on. whatever, 
That hey, is going to apparently be an airing. Cine news next time. Pick three things I, you think I might be interested in. What I'm, the hell is this? This is for everyone There's who gonna needs be to know the movies. news. Yeah, pick the three most important things. A lot of this is garbage. Who cares about young Sheldon getting canceled? You were crying, so clearly you do. Yeah, I do. If, if, okay, listen. Is this for everybody or is this for me? Both. Yeah, okay. Pick three things next time. This is no. way too many. Stop hating on nuts. it. Why are you hating? This is literally the last segment. Why are you hating on last it? Last segment. We still got to talk about what we watch, buddy. And the last bit of <laughs> wrapping up the trailers, we talk about the best Chris's in Hollywood. Well, Chris Pratt is back at it with another animated yeah, voice. His voice Garfield. for Garfield came out. Why don't we take a listen to his voice? Say when. Never, John. Bury me in cheese. Oh. I apologize in advance. The eating you're about to see will not be pretty. And if you have young children, this would be a good time for them to leave the room. That is Chris Pratt as Garfield. Thoughts? It's fine. Yeah. It just sounds like Chris Pratt doing a Garfield. Like, what, what, why do people care about Garfield's voice? Because I think Bill Murray is so synonymous with Garfield now. No, shut up. That is just <laughs> not true. What? The first comment, That's a lunatic thing to say. The first comment in this is he is not a Bill Murray fan. I don't know what that means. Yeah, what? Who cares? Grow up, you children. Go watch the cartoon. He sounds so lackadaisical. He's even better than Bill Murray. Like, what the hell? I think Chris Pratt is overhated. No, also, it's for kids. Kids need, like, immediate, like, uh, like they can't have a lazy character like that as the main character. It's not how it works anymore, people. Like, grow up. Okay. That has been Cine News. Do you want to do the... the, the Good segment. I liked it. Thanks, man. <laughs> Appreciate your love for that. Cut it down next time. <laughs> no, I do what I want. Just It's just because it's 11.50 now, okay? What did you watch this week? Okay, I got three things I need to talk about. I've got nothing, so the floor is okay, all you. here we go. First, I watched Four Christmases, because, baby, it's Christmas season. I watch this movie every single year. It's Reese Witherspoon, Vince Vaughn. They're, two couple, they're a couple from two divorced families, and they never go home for Christmas. They always go on a vacation and pretend like they're doing charity work because they never want to deal with their issues with their family. They're spitting right now. Hell yeah, brother. This movie's terrible. It makes me think <laughs> Reese so Witherspoon bad. is a horrible actress, and you know what? I don't think she is a good actress anymore after watching a ton of Reese Witherspoon stuff. Legally Blonde is her best movie. Watch Big Little She's Lies. She's phenomenal in that movie. I've seen Big Little. Oh, no, I haven't. Oh, That's haven't. the show. That's the show. Yes. Uh, no, I haven't. Everyone seen that, that you think is bad is literally on that show, and I keep I telling know. you to watch it. I'll watch it. I'll watch it. Uh, Vince Vaughn is does the same Vince Vaughn bit in every single movie, and I, I like it. I like the Vince Vaughn bit. Uh, this movie is like bad, but it's so fun. I watch this movie every single year. There's so many just like, uh, this is just a Christmas movie. It's not a good movie, but it's so fun. So I gave guess, that movie two and, a half? two and a half stars because I really like it, but it can't be considered a good movie. I know you too. Well. SNL update. Timothy Chalamet, boy <laughs> genius, baby. Let's go. This was incredible. So much rapping, so many musical numbers. So there was a ton, a ton of content. Listen, SNL is so much better when you like the people on it. Boy genius were a little nervous. They, uh, were they I on the skits? They were on one skit. It was very funny. They all pretend to be Troy Sivan and they did his little dance. It was really, really good. Timothy Chalamet is great. Uh, I'm very glad that he can promote his movies now because he's super funny. Uh, two or one big thumbs up for SNL. Thanks for getting back after that. But 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 bad bad bunny episode. Jake, are you stoked for next episode? Who is it? Jason Momoa and Tate McRae. Hey, that's actually not a bad line. Could, could be interesting. Could be interesting. Tate I think- McRae is blowing up right now. Yeah, she's awesome. I think SNL is so much better when you like the people. So I don't know. I'm not a big Jason Momoa guy, but I, I hope he does all right. I'm not a big Minecraft guy. Yeah, there you go. From what you've been telling me, though, this season doesn't sound as bad because sounds, the guests have dude, been good. It's awesome. Yeah. I've, I'm really loving what they're doing with SNL right now, and they give so much more freedom when it's people like Timothy Chalamet and Boy Genius to like the Gen Z people. So like Bo and Yang can actually be funny, which I think they really underuse him because a lot of his comedy is so dry when he has to like. Uh, pander to to the old people and it does that doesn't work at all they have so many good cast members right now there's an absolutely hilarious scene with i cannot remember her name um whatever i, I can't remember her name but she's singing to the moon and it's super super funny I'll, 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 put, I'll put it up after but it's so good really really good season super stoked for next uh weekend and finally i got to watch because of my Paramount Plus subscription, for Razor, the first six episodes of the brand new season. Oh my God, Jake! Oh yeah, it is exactly like Fraser. It okay. is the same comedy. They do it. They make a super creative way to get him 
uh, over to Boston and ha- introduce all of these new characters. It is exactly the same comedy, and it picks off in a great spot. It is so good. It's 2023. You can't make a laugh track sitcom anymore. It is so bad. It does not work anymore. It is so outdated. Painful, painful watch. If I wasn't a giant Fraser fan, I would hate this, but I love Fraser so much that I had a great time with it because it is the exact same comedy, and Kelsey Grammer is so, so funny as this character. So I give this show a big thumbs up. Uh, unfortunately, it's 2023, and never going to recommend this show to anybody, and it's definitely going to get canceled because you cannot make a laugh track show. Yeah. Laugh tracks do not work. Stop no. trying to make an original sit or a, a, not an original, it's a. It's a continuation it's a sequel series series, uh (laughs) but you cannot make a sitcom in 2023 anyway those are the biggest three things i watched over the weekend jake why don't we wrap this up i gotta tell you what's coming out before we wrap this up don't we that is the wrap up so wrap it up murder at the end of the world this is the hulu and fx show emma kareen i watched the first episode of this it actually came out today i watched it before while i was waiting for you to get to the podcast to record this emma kareen's great they're honestly incredible every single time they're in a TV show. I really like them in House of the Dragon, so it's good to see them in like a bigger role as well. This is like a murder mystery. It's exactly what you would like. You really would like this. Okay, okay. I actually think you should check it out. So everyone else, Hulu FX Hulu? or Disney Plus for everyone in oh, Canada. Boom, 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 boom. If you're big Crown f- f- fans, f- 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 fans. Crown's back. Crown, season six, part one on Thursday. It's the last season, so if you have not caught up on The Crown like me and Mike and a lot of other people that I know because no one watches The Crown. The Actually, Crown? That's not Crown's true. So many huge. People watch the Crown. It's a massive show. You can check out Emma Crean was also in that show. Scott Pilgrim takes off. This is the animated Scott Pilgrim versus the world's reboots in animation form but with the entire original cast every single person from that film is in that show it is coming out on friday on that sounds so awesome we will be checking it out and we will get you our thoughts on that eventually as well you didn't not cancel your apple tv series for a reason monarch legacy of monsters friday godzilla we're we're getting our godzilla on within the next couple weeks because there's a Godzilla movie coming out soon too. So we'll be watching that as well. But there's a lot of TV to watch. I really was complaining about TV coming out and then they just stacked them all at once. Movies. Also, you're not lacking with movies this weekend. The Hunger Games, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, the prequel Hunger Games film, book, film, whatever you want to call it, is out in theaters on Thursday. Next goal wins as well. Taika Waititi's soccer Ted Lasso Film, which is probably not going to do very good at the box office, is coming out. And Trolls Band Together, that hilarious trailer that I love watching every single time I'm at theaters. I won't have to watch it again because it's coming out in theaters. So take your kids to that. And let's wrap this up because we are approaching midnight and I want to go to bed. You're staring <laughs> long. See what I like walk, yeah, when yeah, I go yeah, through yeah, it? Yeah. I didn't slur like, a single oh, thing there. I was cooking that thing. You did, buddy, you were cooking. I was cooking. Eating that food. Oh, yeah. Anyway, this has been uh, our review of David Fincher's Netflix series, or show, or movie. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you're you're getting killer. hit with it now, too. Uh, and Mates, the everyone. Curse, Nathan Fielder's new show. Uh, we will keep you updated every single week. Might I not am, be like uh, a full segment, but we'll, 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 keep uh, we'll keep you updated. I'm Mike Jose Collins on X. That's Jake underscore Schultz 6 with no T on X. Follow, like, share, subscribe to this podcast and to all of our social medias. Follow our TikToks. Uh, and, yeah, we will, uh, we'll see you next time. On the flip side, we'll have more Christmas stuff coming because it's Christmas season, baby. Ho, 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 ho.